Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. You guys, I am very excited to introduce to you a newer friend, Emily, Emily Lancor, and she is a widow who has found love again. She is a mother of three young men and enjoying life in Upper Michigan. She's also the author of three books, It's Okay to Be Okay, It's Okay to Love Again, and My Spouse Died. Now what? I love these story, uh, these titles, Emily. We're definitely going to talk about this. But after spending 20 years in special education and five years in education administration, she decided to retire and explore life as an entrepreneur. She started a company called Calm Water Writing, where she offers journaling, coaching, and website-based monthly membership for that coaching. I've gotten to watch this little Abigail intro insertion here, by the way. I've gotten to watch Emily's transition, and it's been so fantastic. And I I just can't wait for you to share. But her goal is to help others use journaling and writing to learn about themselves and find the answers that they seek. Uh, She believes everyone can be a writer with the right tools and techniques. And you guys, you know me, I believe the same exact thing. And that's exactly why she. I think she's a perfect guest for us because we have lots of episodes about journaling. So uh, we're going to talk all about that. And she also loves reading both fiction, nonfiction. She loves bullet journaling, playing card and board games and visiting waterfalls and watching movies. We are like-minded, like-hearted individuals. Emily, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share what I've experienced. Yeah. Where do you want to start? That's how I feel like I know I'm the host of the show. Where do you want to start today? I think kind of just a little, maybe more background about where my writing part came from, um, how I've used that. I have always been a writer. I had a diary style when I was little growing up. I always had a notebook around. I wrote all kinds of things, stories, um, daily, you know, journal type things of today I went to the beach, today I had hot dogs for lunch, just those kind of things. And then it morphed into writing lots more letters and things. Um, My late husband and I started dating in high school. Um, Our first year, we went to separate colleges and um, wrote a lot of letters back and forth because long distance phone calls were expensive back in the early 90s and just wrote things that way. And I didn't feel comfortable talking about my feelings. I'm a crier. I cry over everything. And so I always felt like as I would start telling a story, then the tears would come and it would get interrupted. Whereas if I could sit down and write, I could get my thoughts out. I could give it to a person and let them read it. Um, I'm now finding that um, my partner now is not a reader in any way, shape or form. That's not something he chooses to do. And I find now that I feel I need to talk to him and that's hard for me. I almost have to write it out ahead of time and get all my thoughts out and process it a little bit to then be able to share it with him. Um, and I've, I've just morphed my writing into lots of different techniques, different styles. I kind of am a notebook addict. I go to stores and I'm like, oh, look, notebooks. Let's go to the notebook section. Um, I went out of town for a weekend and I came back with 
maybe six new notebooks, um, different kinds, spiral bound. I like to carry those with me as kind of like a junk journal, just writing stuff as I learn things or I'm listening to podcasts or I'm, I'm hearing stuff. I take notes just in one in my bag. I have a bound one that I use for my bullet journaling. I have ones that I've used to write letters to people that you never send. And those can be really healing is this is what I would tell you if I felt I, you know, was confident enough to or that you were still here or those kind of things. And so it's really morphed and changed, but it's something that I do daily. I am always writing something. Sometimes it's just a list of what's in my brain and I need to just get it out, that brain dump um, style. Sometimes it's long form. Um, but really, when my husband passed away um, five and a half years ago, it was completely unexpected. I left for work in the morning. He was fine and was gone by the time that afternoon came. Um, so really, really unexpected. It left me um, suddenly a single parent. I had three young boys at that time, um, fifth grade. 10th grade and a senior. Um, so navigating that, working full time, just really trying to learn how to be alone and who I was. And I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of writing to God and how angry I was and how confused I was and, and how this was possible and, and how I was supposed to go on from that. And then about parenting and trying to make decisions and Society had all kinds of things that I was supposed to do. My kids were supposed to go to school. And I was a teacher. I, I knew kids needed to be in school. Um, and that wasn't working. And I wrote letters to Steve um, about things that he was missing and things that we were not going to get to do together that we had planned. We had planned to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. We had planned to live in our house forever. We had planned to do these different things. And all of those things had changed. And so... I wrote songs, I wrote poetry, I just anything that came out that was my way of grieving was to write and to different people, different ideas, different concepts. And that's what's gotten me through. And then I did take those and turn them into um, memoirs that I published. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I, I just I don't want to rush past it. Like, you, you know, you think you're not a great speaker or you mentioned like, I'm better at writing than speaking, but like we can feel your emotion. Obviously it's right there under the surface. And, but I feel like that helps us feel connected, right? Like I can, I can't relate exactly, but I do feel the emotion and I, I have it that our listeners do too, especially if they've lost someone very close to them or specifically a spouse. And so just thank you for sharing. Also too, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who consider losing their spouse, right? Like whether there's just a scare in life or age, you know, sort of kind of brings that, that thought stream to us. Like we're not going to live forever. We face our immortality in some way. So I just, I just really appreciate you connecting us to, to how precious life is, to what life after death looks like for families and, and all of that. And is there anything you'd like to share just in, in what I reflected back? Um, one of the things about finding new love, it was probably about two and a half years. Um, it was, so he passed, Steve passed away in December. And so it was like that two and a half year summer kind of mark. I did find the second year is harder than the first year. And I think because the first year you just know every holiday is going to be hard. Every anniversary is going to be hard. And then you think you're 
kind of passed it and you've gotten through all those firsts. And so I did find the second year really, really hard of, I wasn't expecting those things to still be mm. awful and hard and, um, and a thing and just the weird triggers that come up, you know, sometimes I can hear a song on the radio and it's fine. I sing along and it's great. And other times I have to lean over and turn it off because I just mm. can't go there. So about two and a half years, I started thinking, wow, I'm 45. What? My kids are getting older. My kids are in high school. And what am I going to do when they move on? And do I want to be alone? And I've never really been alone. And I've now made it two and a half years being alone. I've, I know I can do that. And so really starting to look for love again. One of the things um, my daughter-in-law said to me, is she said, I don't know if I'd, if I'd risk it again. Like the idea that I could be a widow again, like, is it, and it's worth the risk, I think. Like, yeah. I, I think if I was 87 and my spouse passed away, you maybe don't go there again, yeah. you know, but you're also kind of at 87, maybe expecting it a little bit. And there's probably some illness and there's health things and you're not expecting it at 42 um, yeah. with young kids. And so, and I think some of that worked too, because my kids were older. They knew that this new person is not coming to replace their dad. He's not going to be mm -hmm. a dad. He's not going to be a father figure. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just somebody for me. And choosing to move forward, um, I listened to quite a few podcasts and that was a big term was not moving on. I still absolutely have moments of grief. I don't know if I'm grieving anymore. And there's a difference between grief and grieving, which is a yeah. whole um, another thing to look into. But I definitely still have my moments of grief. You can tell today, like talking about it, it's still hard. I, I still absolutely miss him. Um, I've had moments where I've been with Chris. I was sitting on his couch one day and he said, are you okay? And I said, no, it's weird. I'm only here because Steve is gone. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't be with you. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be in this relationship if Steve was still here. Like I, I know that absolutely deep down. I know that I wouldn't be here, but I also know that I'm meant to be with him. This was meant to happen for whatever purpose. I haven't 100% figured out that purpose of why, you know, I did lose my spouse that young. Um, but it's taught me so much about who I am as a person and some of that strength and learning to ask for help and accept that help piece. And just lots of that has come up over the last five years. I feel like I'm a very different person now than I was at that point with having to be a single parent and um, a widow and to navigate all of those choices with finance and school and what we're going to eat and paying bills and the emotional part and, you know, everybody was in a different emotion. That was a big thing is I really wished I could have like the night before said, okay, tomorrow's going to be sad day. Everybody's going to be sad. <laughs> Anybody that comes over, know that it's a sad day. Anybody yeah. that we're going to talk to, it's going to be a sad day. We're going to watch sad movies. We're going to talk about sad stuff. And then the day after, we're going to have a happy day and everything's going to be great. And we're not going to really think about how hard it is. And we're going to, we're going to laugh and we're going to watch a funny movie and we're going to tell jokes. And, and that wasn't reality. I mean, four of us living in a house. And then I had siblings coming and my in-laws and my parents and friends and everyone else was grieving as well. And it was just hard to navigate when everybody's feeling a different thing. I'd get up and I'd have a really hard morning and my kids were fine. 
And then the next day I would be fine and I'd be ready to go. And I'd walk into one of the kids' bedrooms to get them up and they couldn't even get out of bed that day. Like just that emotional component of the grief. And so I think being able to write about all of those things and that frustration and, and that's how I dealt with anger. I didn't, I didn't have a physical outlet for my anger other than writing. And so I would write about what I was angry about and what was upsetting and what I wished was happening and all of those pieces. Yeah. Mm. So much. I, I'm not moving fast through this interview because you're just, you're just, it's so real. It's so, very day-to-day life of walking through grief and grieving. And we actually have an episode called Grief and Grieving and just kind of (laughs) distinguishing. And uh, we have a lot of grief episodes on here actually because... um, because it's just such a, when it comes to emotional intelligence, which we'll talk, we, you know, share more about, but it's such a healthy part of the process to be able, like, I actually took a note here about you crying and talking. Um, I am, I'm similar in a different way. Like when I'm bringing up something that's confronting for me or when I'm in a, like a confrontational conversation, not confrontational, but I call them sweaty conversations, basically where you need Mm -hmm. to say the tough thing, right? I might cry my way through that. Or when I'm processing something, like I can cry and communicate. And it doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me vulnerable, but it's just to be able to communicate this, there will be tears accompanying it. (laughs) And and I'm just so grateful because I think we need to, I think it's important to be able to show people that emotions can coexist or courage can coexist with most emotions, right? Like, so fear, courage, uh, sadness, grief, anger, frustration, confusion, overwhelm. And you can end up on a podcast with you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners, or you can, you can retire and start a new company. You can go on. And so it's like, I think a lot of people think I need to have my shit together before (laughs) I can go on. And it's just not true. Like we go on. And I, I wanted to share two things that I was very related to what you shared. Um, the starting again, or how did your daughter-in-law say it? Risk it, risk it again. Take the risk. Yeah. Right. I, after divorce, which I did not choose divorce, I married my college sweetheart and, and one day he's like, I made a mistake. I don't want to be married. And, and I was not expecting that. So that was very, that was very, it was like death. I, I share mm-hmm. that quite a bit. Um, cause there, he was there one day and he wasn't the next and we haven't seen each other since. And that's just how it's been. And that's my story. Right. So it was like he died and. There was two things you specifically said. I had a coach once. I had swore myself single. I would, <laughs> I've dated, but then I would swear myself single and I was being very guarded. And my coach called me out and said, You cannot win at the game of love if you don't play the game of love. Like if you are protecting your heart, yeah, of course you can't lose, but you also, you just can't play. Therefore, you can't get the love you want. You can't give the love you have. And so you're totally eliminating yourself from that option or that outcome. And it really opened me up to like realizing like, yeah, I I think I knew I was protecting myself, but it looks like strong, independent woman, right? Like I know how to mask it. And so I had to really look at, because that heartache 
right? Mm -hmm. The amount of pain that comes with heartache and loss can just be so crippling, so debilitating sometimes. And that it comes in waves. You don't know what's going to hit you or why it's going to hit you. I love the idea of like, can we just all have the same sad day? Please. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and uh, no, no, that's not how it goes. There's no clean cut, you know, order to grief. Also, I don't know that I've ever shared this, you know, on the podcast at least, but I got divorced in 2016 and then started the healing journey, went about my life, but it was 2019. I was during 2018, I lived in Phoenix for about 10 months, but it was way too hot. That was a total mistake. I was like, I got to get back to the ocean. I got to get back to the ocean, which I had already lived in California. I love it. And I packed up all my stuff. I moved. My birthday gift to myself was to move back to California. My mom flew out. We drove a U-Haul across. Yeah. And she helped me unload everything from the U-Haul. We just dumped it into my new space. And then we kind of, kind of like, I don't want to say numbly, but like she was there. So I didn't do any unpacking. So I spent the birthday weekend with my mom and then she finally left. And I, I'm there in my new living space with all of my things around me. And I had this insane wave of this is my consolation life. Like I didn't choose this. If it went my way, I'd still be married in Chicago, having kiddos, living down the block from my mom, like whatever the story goes. But I'm related to what you were sharing is like, life does go on and like you deserve love. You didn't, you didn't choose that at that age. And there's so much life to live. And, and so you're not, cause like, I actually picked up the phone. It took me a few weeks, but I actually picked up the phone and I called my ex and I, I shared like, sometimes I'm still angry with you. <laughs> sometimes, you know, this isn't, he's like, I, I would never have guessed that you look so happy. And I'm like, of course I look happy. I, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to live the rest of my life sad and in despair. Like I'm going to get up and go on. But it, I'm, I would just became very present that this is the second choice in some way, shape right. or form. Yep. And so I just appreciate you sharing that. And kind of opening that up for me to get to share too, because I just think we all, like lots of us have some version of that. What are you hearing in this? What would you like to share? There is that version of like experiencing multiple things at one time. And so the subtitle of my first book was Finding Joy Through Grief. And I was seeing a counselor. um, I lost a best friend in 2010 and... In many ways, I think that was prep for losing Steve because we had a ton of conversations about what would happen if it was us. What happens if you're 35 and you lay down to take a nap and you don't wake up and you have small children? Like, what would we do? Do we have enough life insurance? Would we, what would we do with that? And so we had had a lot of those conversations and it took me a long time to see a counselor when she passed away. And so when Steve died, I knew right away I needed to see somebody. I needed to have somebody who wasn't grieving to Mm. talk to because Mm. everybody in my life, my community, my church, my job knew him. We're small Mm. town. Everybody knew him. It was one of the biggest funerals there's ever been. Like everybody in my life was grieving in some way or another. And so working with a counselor and one day I remember saying to her, I just want somebody to tell me it's okay to be okay. And I was like, oh, there's the title of my book. Like I had been working on it, but I was like, I want to have good days. I want to smile. I want to be happy. And it doesn't mean I don't love him. And it doesn't mean I don't miss him. And it doesn't mean I'm not grieving. 
Um, it doesn't mean I'm not angry that he's gone and that I have to like figure out how to turn the furnace on in the middle of winter, like all of those things. But I just wanted somebody to tell me it's okay if you're having good days. It's okay if you want to move forward. It's okay if you laugh and you kind of forget a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you get up in the morning and you think, oh, he must be gone to Camp Nesbitt for a week, like because it's fall time and that's where he would be. Um and just knowing that that you could grieve and be happy at the same time. Yes. And I think that's now of I can be a widow and be in a relationship. And that the person I'm with now respects the fact that because I was in this relationship and I've gone through this grief, that's made me who I am today. Like, yeah. I'm a very different person than Steve fell in love with when we were 16. Yeah. You know, at 45 and a single parent of, you know, teenage, now out of teenage age kids. And and just that piece of being able to have that duality of oh, yeah. multiple emotions at one time. Yeah. That I can be extremely angry that this has happened and so grateful that it did. Yeah, I hear you. I celebrate you and I acknowledge you because this is a conversation... I usually only have in, in one-on-one calls with clients, you know, is like, it is okay to grieve and go on. And, um, so like the mistake of that to honor the person, you also must stay stuck or sad or lonely, you know, that it's like a, it's almost like a life sentence beyond that to continue, like commit to grieving in, in a particular way that, that then steals your life away. And so thank you for bringing that present and present to you can find love again. And there's someone who can understand who can be with your particular circumstance. Cause I've seen it time and time again that, you know, widows or divorce or like whatever the scenario is that like there is, there's more people there and, and, you know, not to diminish the love that was there, but that you can experience new life. It's not about replacing the old one. It's a whole second experience. And so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I I would love to sort of pivot the conversation into that emotional intelligence of, of like what writing has done for your grief process, because I know that this is a major component for you helping other people with writing and journaling. Just I'm leaving it open-ended. Tell us about all that. <laughs> um, so the published work that I've done has been taken from journal rights. I went back and grabbed um, notebooks off my bookshelf from the, I was writing before Steve passed away. And obviously I wrote through those first few days. Um, it was rough writing. It was n- not pretty. Um, and I took that writing and I actually... Um, I voiced it into my phone into a Google Doc and I took the, I put the dates with it and I went through it and it was so healing for me to go back and read those and be like, Oh, I remember that day. And Oh, I remember doing that, but now I'm here, like seeing that growth, seeing those changes, seeing my confidence grow as, um, as a mom and as a 
person and seeing just that growth over those first like two years. Um, so having that journal piece to go back and read through was so therapeutic. And my whole goal, I never did any of my writing to make money. I didn't do it to make money. The money I have made from my sales of my books, um, I've used to purchase author copies. And so I donate my author copies to other widows. So if I hear of somebody else who's lost a spouse, um, regardless of how old they are, I try to get a copy to them. Um, I've argued with some people about buying them and that's fine, but I've really tried to get it out there with the idea of, I just needed to know that it was okay. And I needed to know that I could have joy and I could have good days. And then in publishing my second one about finding love again, I did the same process. I went back and pulled out journals. So both of them are a fairly um, quick read, but it's going through and reflecting on that. And then my writing wasn't only that. Like I would write multiple pages a morning and it was neat to go back and see the other changes that not related to the grief, like related to my position in my school district and the administrator we had and, and choosing to like leave that job and go to a different job and the stress of that and what was that going to do for my family. And so I think the journaling piece doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be, oh, I love my handwriting. Some days I do and other days I'm like, good thing I don't have to write anything professionally today in my with my pen. Um, other days it's it's beautiful. I'm like, oh, what else could I write? I could send out cards to people because I like my I like my handwriting today. Like my handwriting changes depending on what I'm writing, where I am in the notebook, what kind of paper it is. But just the emotions that come out when I'm writing, sometimes it's things I'm not even thinking about. Like I sit down with the intention that I am going to write three pages, 10 minutes, whatever the time frame I have, whatever. And by the end, I've wrote about things that I didn't even know were in my head, in my heart, things that needed to come out and just working through those different emotions and then saving them. I know a lot of people are really nervous about having a journal that somebody's going to read it. I tend to fold over a page in half and I write private on it. If it's something that I'm like, well, I don't know if my kids really want to read this detail about my life. Um, if they're ever going to go back and read it, I can't imagine my kids would really go back, but I've appreciated having them to be able to go back. Whereas I know some people write something and they burn it right away or they... Um, rip it up, put it in a shredder, throw it in the bottom of the garbage, that kind of thing. I think being able to go back and use that as a growth tool and to process some of that and see like, oh, if there was a little bit of anger there. Ooh, maybe there's more to that and pull that out and turn that into like a journal write. So really just writing from what's in your soul. Like it just comes out when I write, when you don't worry about the spelling and the punctuation. And I use random abbreviations. I use BC for because. I use MTG for meeting. Like those things are just in there because my brain is working really fast. And sometimes I have a hard time getting all of my thoughts out. And sometimes they're just lists. Sometimes they're bullet marks. Sometimes they're paragraphs. Sometimes it bounces back and forth. And I kind of have to block off a section of like, oh, okay, I went to my grocery list for a minute and now I'm back to this anger I feel about this piece. So just really noticing the different emotions that you go through and what just comes out in writing, like that automatic piece, if you're not thinking about 
the mechanics and the grammar and all of that, because I don't feel that's the important part. Obviously, if you're turning it into something that you're going to publish, you're going to want to add in some of those little words and, and fix endings and make sure your tenses flow and all of that, you know, grammatical part. But really, for me, it's extremely healing to write either to myself, to somebody else, to a situation. Um, I just had a friend who said, I really struggle with like even having a prompt. I write two sentences and I'm done. Like I don't know what else to write. Um, I feel like I've gotten that out. And I said, maybe you don't need prompts. Maybe you just need more of that stream of consciousness freestyle. Um, but she's gone through breast cancer recently. And I said, write a letter to your breast cancer as if your breast cancer was a person. How do you feel about this? Are you angry with it? Are you sad with it? Are you upset about it? What are you missing now because you've had this mastectomy? Like, write that and go from there instead of just answering like, what's your favorite day of the week? I mean, sometimes you need those to like get going, but then don't don't stop there. Just let your body go with what needs to come out. So much gold packed in there. So <laughs> I, I wanted, I wrote a few things to like point out because you, you talked a lot in a few different directions. One, you mentioned like tools, like the difference in paper and pens. I've heard you say, you know, what's your favorite pen to write with? And I'm like, I never even thought about that. And I've been, I love writing. And then you talked about format, style, variety, right? And so there's like so many, there's a lot of technique in what you shared, but that, that it's all in a commitment to, to feel expressed, to express emotions, process emotions. I wrote processing, like write the writing being part of the processing, but then the reflection, like going back. I have, I have so many journals saved, right? And I, I might not be a journal junkie like you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm close. And, and in fact, I joke, I'm holding, you guys can't see, but. I have my, um, I, I joke my $1,700 journal because I design my own now and I sell it on Hearts Unleashed or, you know, whatever. It's the Hearts Unleashed guided journal, but because I would carry around four and five journals at one every single day at any given time because I'm, oh, this is my money journal. This is my personal journal. This yep. is my work journal. So I'm with you on that. And, um, but that, uh, processing, like the writing being the processing and then the reflection. I, I was wanted to share about like all of them stored because I burned one once and I regret it. I usually advise people don't burn your journals. I know it's very cathartic. It was cathartic while I did it, but then I didn't have it anymore, you know? So, and maybe you take a picture or digitize something or I don't know, whatever. But like you said, because my second book, Talking to the Trees, is also very much journal and evolved, evolved to journal prompts or uh, entries. And so, and it's a beautiful book. I, I am so proud of that book. And, and so there's just so much to what journaling does and can offer. And then I liked what you said. I don't know if I heard it, like if I heard it on my own, but like you said something about messy, like being messy, basically, uh, if that's at least how I'm paraphrasing it, you know, don't worry. I don't use punctuation very often at all in my writing. And, um, 
or like, I don't write the whole line. Sometimes I'm writing all over the piece of paper or, you know, whatever. And so that, that journal entries aren't for anybody else, but you. So as long as it makes sense to you, it can. And I say this about writing a book is like your first draft is not your last draft. So stop trying to write your last draft. And so I would say the same thing about writing. Like you said, if you confine it too much, like sometimes we just need that open-ended. That's my, most of my best writing comes from me just putting my hands on the keyboard and letting spirit move it or uh, putting pen to paper and just letting spirit move my hand because I'm getting here things that I didn't know I needed to, you know, or didn't know that was what was important to process. So I'm just loving all of this. What would you, if you could give three tips to someone who, okay, actually I have two questions. This is, and you can go however many ways you want. There's the people who want to write and are kind of stuck. I feel like we mostly spoke to them at this in the last segment, but feel free to add. But the people who they're like, I'm not a writer. I don't, uh, I can't, I just can't, you know, any tips for our folks listening? I think for the people that don't feel they're a writer, it's getting past what your definition of a writer is. Like, I think there's a difference between journaling and writing in a lot of people's brains. I use them interchangeable because when you journal, you're writing. Um, But I think a lot of people think, oh, if I'm a writing, if I'm a writer and I'm writing, I'm going to be published. Somebody's going to read it. Um, And thinking of what your purpose for it is. I think most people make lists, take notes, those kind of things just naturally. Um, I've been in a lot of conferences with people that are taking notes and you ask them, do you ever go back and look at those? Well, no, but I do it to kind of focus during this thing. Like I have notebooks full of notes from podcasts and things that I may never go back and look at. But my purpose in that point is to stay focused and to take the notes. Like my point isn't to learn from it. And so I think if you're doing it to end your day, for example, I know a lot of people struggle to fall asleep and they're trying to figure out not using their phone because of the light and they're not trying to use an app and they're trying to keep their phone in a different room and and all of those pieces. And the notebook is that organic piece that's not an electronic. It's not going to keep you awake. But if you can write down things you're thinking of, just get it out of your head, the chances of having a better night's sleep is there. Like there's studies that show that if you can do that, get that out of your head, Um, I start and end my day with bullet journaling. And one of my things I do at the end of the day is a list of what brought me joy that day. And sometimes it's two things. Sometimes it's 10 things. Sometimes they're simplistic little things about like, oh, I'm really glad I had a hot shower today. Other days, I'm so grateful I had time to play cribbage with my son. Um, But just reflecting on what brought me joy when I was the best version of myself, kind of just that little summary of what I did. I do a health tracker. Like I get all of that stuff and I do. I find the nights that I complete that I sleep better because it's out of my head. It's done. I've wrapped up my day. And even starting my day, I do an affirmation. I do a little note about what I hear God saying to me. And then I write three things of gratitude. I consider that journaling. It's not paragraphs. It's not sentences. It's not long form. um, It's just list style. But starting my day off with things that I am grateful for starts that day off. And so I think... Starting small 
You don't have to go and buy a $25 fancy notebook and a gorgeous fountain pen. Grab a pen and a piece of paper, grab the back of an envelope and write down a list of 20 things you're grateful for today. There's your journal for today. Just start and then look at that and see as you're writing that, weird things are going to come up that you did not know that you were even thinking about or that were in your head. And then you can go from there and reflect on that or see, are you writing the same thing every day on your brain dump, things you're worried about? Are there things on that list that you don't need to be worried about? Can you give them off to somebody else? Can you get rid of those Um so taking even that list and looking at it or not looking at it, even just making that list scribbled in the dark. Don't even turn your light on. Just make a list, scribble all the things that you're thinking of and set it aside and get it out of your head. So starting really small. Um, but I do think there is a component to, I would not write as much if I had to write with a pencil. I really don't think I would. I hear you. Um, I do some of my bullet journal set up with a pencil and then erase it and use my pen. Um, I really, my kids will tell you that G2s are the best pens ever. I find them smudgy and I don't, mm. I don't want smudgy stuff on the side of my hand. Um, for those of you out there that are left-handed, yeah. find a notebook that has the spiral on the other side. If you're going to pick a spiral notebook, like that can be such a downfall, but thinking of like, and wide ruled paper. I bought a little pack of cute little notebooks at a store one day. They were like $3. I got them home and I ripped the plastic off and I opened them and I was like, yep, these are going to be a gift to somebody because they're wide ruled. Yeah. I will not write on wide ruled paper and I will not write with a pencil. It's just not going to happen. And so even finding the feel of your paper on your hand, the size of the line spacing, the type of writing you, you know, like I own these black pens. They're fairly cheap. They're paper made ink toy. I have them everywhere in my life because yep. that's the, they flow nicely. They don't skip, they don't smudge. So really just finding the tool that works too. Maybe the last time you wrote something was an assignment in high school. Mm -hmm. And you chose wide ruled paper because you didn't have to write as much to get your information down to turn in three pages. Like just thinking of that. And if writing is really not handwriting is really difficult for you or you have something, you know, a reading disability, a writing disability, dyslexia, those kind of pieces that make it super hard, type it, voice it, get yeah. the stuff out of your head. And then you have it to go back and reflect. And and if you do need, I have done ceremony type things with a group of women where we wrote something and we burned it, but we knew we were going to burn it. And then I use some of that in a different writing later. And so I there is a lot to that. Um, listening to a podcast by um, Laura Tremaine, she talked about writing a letter to somebody that you're in a relationship with and then burying that in your yard and the whole thing of just burying an item, how much that can be. And so starting with something, you know, little like a list of gratitude or a brain dump, you know, looking at, you know, your grocery list or memories of things you're putting on your grocery, like pick something from your childhood that you haven't thought about in a long time. And then that can lead to a writing. I just feel like there's a lot to to yeah. go with based on past stuff. And then it'll bring up, like you said, your spirit will move you and you'll write stuff that you did not know you were going to write about. Um, but it is It's just getting endless. started and finding finding a tool that works. Maybe you need a really pretty notebook. You need to go and wander a stationery store and find one that's really pretty, that's the right color and has the right stuff. Or maybe you just need the cheap 38 cent notebooks that are for the back to school special <laughs> because you don't really care what the cover looks like or you don't want to ruin a pretty notebook or, you know, 
But spending some time thinking about what your purpose for writing is. Are you writing to reflect? Are you writing to empty your head so you can sleep? Are you writing so that your kids have something to go back and, and learn your history? Like what what is your purpose for writing? But there's so much science behind um, physically handwriting and how that can process the different thoughts. And yeah, amazing. Oh, so amazing. Um, I love that you said like talk it too, like record it. Cause mm-hmm. some of my favorite, you know, when people insist that they don't like writing and journaling, um, then record your voice or talk to text or set up the camera and record yourself. And because it's just, I, I actually, I still video record. And then obviously I feel like the podcast is audio journaling in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's just so many layers to it, but I love that you said word dump or thought dump because we hold like as a as a coach as an emotional intelligence coach like I encourage people to feel their feelings like writing is part of feeling your feelings right you're get it's going from in you to out of you and then even like listing because we're trying to remember so many things in this very fast-paced heavily externally influenced life that to try to keep everything in our head or in our heart is just too much and it's it's unnecessary so we can like we can set so much down just by putting it on paper and so it's like it's clear your head clear your heart and i you were saying like list your gratitude list your grocery list whatever i i just wrote list the things that stress you out i the one of the most powerful writing exercises i've ever done was in my coaching program and we they asked us to actually say and write what are you sad about what are you pissed about or what are you angry about and to actually acknowledge like each individual thing and distinguish it i'm pissed about you know like i went so far back and what was present and what was past and what i'm pissed about in the future you know and so like it brings so much awareness and it brings things out of the unconscious and and then onto paper so we can look at it in a conscious way and then manage it you cannot shift what you cannot see and so i just think that writing putting things to paper, be, typing them. Like I, I also love typing. I, I agree that typing and handwriting have very different energies, but that they're just both so powerful. And so, I mean, I could go, I think we could both go on and on about our love and passion of writing. And <laughs> and that if, if someone is feeling inspired, excited, um, connected to you, how can they, because you have, tell us a little bit about calm water writing specifically. So um, I retired after 25 years in education this spring, and I've worked on developing a website called Calm Water Writing. I also have a Facebook group. Um, In the Facebook group, I put in different prompts. I put in links to different things about journaling and writing, different ideas for people. Um, I do a list of September prompts. So there's a little prompt for every day. Some of them are related, you know, to back to school kind of thing. There'll be some Halloween one in October. And within my website, there's a membership. It's called the Journaling Nook. And it's a monthly membership. And within there, there are different prompts in different categories. And so there's a healing category, a spiritual, just single words. And so every week I go in and I add a couple things to the different categories. Um, and so it's it's there. So if you're somebody that needs a word of the day to start with, like the other day, one of the words was lasagna. 
write about lasagna. What do you, what, what do you remember about that. it? Do you hate it? Why do you hate it? What memory do you have of it? Just, you know, like different words. Sometimes it's like vacation. Um, and then there's different categories. So there's a, a biblical one and it's scripture. There's a spiritual one. And so one of them talked about chakras and different journal prompts you could do for the different chakras. There's a healing category of, you know, going back and coming up with the best memory you have of somebody you lost. And so every week I'm adding to that. And so there's different areas that you can choose to go in and take from based on what your styling of journaling is. Do you need just a technique or an idea or do you actually need that written prompt of make a list today of 15, you know, foods you hate and why? You know, just that kind of thing. So I have the membership and then my goal is to go live and offer writing times so that people have that of like, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to write for 15 minutes and somebody's writing with you, you know, and then um, I, my ultimate goal is to offer one-on-one sessions with people either through something like Voxer or Messenger during the day. So you would write and then you could comment on it and I could give you another prompt or another idea or something to reflect on, but just a little bit more of that accountability. And so lots of different things um, on the website and then also in in the Facebook group. Beautiful, beautiful. Because I have it that, well, I always encourage people process through writing, grief through writing, you know, celebration through writing, like it's endless. And it was really funny you said lasagna because I could definitely do a whole journaling prompt on lasagna for sure. <laughs> but that's, it doesn't have to be this like in-depth, get into your feelings, write about, yeah. you know, this horrible loss of your grandmother. Like it yes. doesn't have to be that. Yes. I mean, it definitely can be. And I think there's value in it, but it can just be sit down and write what you yeah. ate yesterday and your feelings about that. And maybe yeah. something will come up about that. Yeah. Like yeah. Back to some deep-rooted thing about lasagna when you were little, like you burned your mouth on it at the neighbor's house, but didn't say anything. You know, like you just don't know where it's going to go. Totally, totally. Just random stuff, but really looking at it, it's interesting. You said it the way you did because I think there's I I have it because I've even felt that way myself. It's like I'm not going to, I don't want to cry today, so I'm not going to journal. Right. Where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go, you know, the whole thing. So it's like recreating the relationship with writing too, that it can just be light and lighthearted and, and still helpful. And, you know, it just content that only we can create our relationship with it by doing it, by, by navigating it ourselves. And so I just, I so want to thank you one for being here and for, being as passionate about writing and journaling as me, like it is so fun to sort of nerd out on this topic. Yep. And and, and um, you and Sammy, who you know, Sammy, one of our authors, Vitaly, uh, just like people like us in the world who are encouraging journaling and facilitating people, welcoming people to this practice. It's so special to me. It's such a passion of mine because I it's it's helped me in so many ways. And I know it's helped you. And I know you have helped others with it too. And so you see the proof in the pudding. You see, you have a proof of concept here. And so thank you. And you guys be sure to check out Calm Water Writing, whether that's on Facebook, whether that's calmwaterwriting.com, right? Is that is yep. we'll we'll have all the links in the show notes as well. Last question for you, my dear Emily. What does it look like? I, I think we could imagine, but we like to hear from our our guests. Yes. What does it look like for Emily Lancor's heart to be unleashed? To unleash my heart is to dig deep into who I am as a person, not just the roles I have, and to live that life and figure out what I want and what I need and honor that 
and not worry so much about what the rest of the world is going to think about it. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad to watch your journey. It, it's it's so fun. I kind of like online stalk you. Oh, there's Emily doing her thing. I love your shares. And um, I last thing I want to say about that is like, I read your posts and I can just tell you're doing the work, right? The progress is obvious. The commitment, the effort, like what you put in is what you get out and we get to see what you're getting out of it. So just thank you for like, I want to encourage you keep sharing and, and to whoever's like listening that people can see each other's growth. If you share it, you know, we, we want to be there and, and cheer each other on and celebrate each other. And like, you've given us the gift of being able to do that for you. I I've done that for people. People come up to me, like I read every word you write and I I'm just so grateful. I love it. It makes a difference for me. And so just encouraging you and encouraging anyone who's listening, like write the thing, say the thing, post the thing, get on the podcast, all of it. So you are a great example and inspiration of the work in action. Thank you. I absolutely appreciate the opportunity to share what I've done and how I'm growing. Yes. Yay. Oh, listeners, thank you for being here. Thank you. This was a, we had a long talk and it was great and I love it. So if you are here and you are listening, you are walking all the way through this journey with us. I just want to deeply acknowledge your own journey. I hope that this inspired you. I hope that this moved you in whatever way it did. And we would both love to encourage you to continue to express yourself and practice writing, practice recording, whatever it is that's going to continue to take the weight off of you and, and set you free and help you create a lightness in your life so that you can live more, more powerful, more free, more self-expressed. I want to thank you for listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.